Come on, just lift your hands and give him some praise here tonight. Come on, he's worthy. Come on, tell somebody he's worthy of my praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look at somebody and say, God's worthy of my praise. Amen, amen, amen. What great worship tonight. Set us up for the word of the Lord. Everybody said amen. We give honor, of course, to give honor, of course, to Bishop and First Lady. How many of you love your Bishop and First Lady? Thank the Lord. We appreciate appreciate their covering over you and uh, the blessing that they are upon your life. We appreciate their sons. These great young men just over their head involved in the work of God. We honor them. Isn't this praise team fantastic? Come on. Thank the Lord. Amen. If you got your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Chronicles 13. 2 Chronicles 13 and verse 1. This last song just nailed it right where we felt like the Lord wanted us to preach from tonight. Amen. Let me say the next few weeks, amen, you will still be in revival. Amen. I'm having to stay home to take care of the church for my pastor. He's having a surgery, his leg, his knee replaced, so I'm going to have to stay home for a few weeks and take care of the church. But everybody say it, the move of God goes on. Amen. You will continue. Amen. The great move of God you had before I ever showed up. I'm just kind of trying to run up here and jump on it, not make you slow down any. <clears throat> and uh, we're excited uh, for what... Uh, the Lord is wanting to do in this church <clears throat> and everybody said amen thank you Jesus so <clears throat> we're looking forward to being back with you be a couple of Tuesday nights before I uh, am gone for those couple of weeks but we're looking forward to being back with you and pray that you have 80 or 100 pray through before I get back in the next 30 days amen that's nothing to God. Second Chronicles 13 and 1. Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war. Everybody say there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah set to battle in array with an army of valiant men of war. Even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set to battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men being mighty men of valor. And Abijah stood up on Mount Zimarium, which is in Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me thou, Jeroboam, and all of Israel. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom of, over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up and hath rebelled against the Lord. And there are gathered unto him vain men, the children of Belial, and have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. When Rehoboam was young and tenderhearted and could not withstand them, and now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David? And ye be a great multitude, and there are with with you with golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for gods. Have ye not cast out the priests 
of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and have made you priests after the manner of the nations of other lands. So that whosoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. The priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites wait upon their business. They burn unto the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices with and sweet incense. The showbread also set they in order upon the pure table and the candlestick of gold with the lamps thereof to burn every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God, but ye have forsaken him. And behold, God himself is with us. For our captain and his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. O children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers, for ye shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come up from behind them. So they were before Judah, and the ambushment was behind them. And when Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind. And they cried unto the Lord, and the priests sounded with the trumpets. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. Verse 17, and Abijah and his people slew them with great slaughter. So there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Verse 20, neither did Jeroboam recover strength again in the days of Abijah, for the Lord struck him. And he died. Amen. Look at somebody and say, praise your way out of it. Tell somebody else, I'm going to praise my way out of it. Now tell somebody else, we're going to praise our way to the next dimension. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to praise our way to the next dimension. You believe that? High five three people and say, praise your way up. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Judah, the son of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, actually the son of Jacob, his origin can be traced back to the fourth son of Jacob and as a grandson of Abraham. The name Judah means celebrated or praised or praise unto Jehovah. Uh, Judah comes from a word that is yada. It is a word that means to hold out the hand, to physically throw, to revere in worship with extended hands, to confess, to shoot the arrow, to give thanksgiving. Judah was the center of God's attention. Israel as a nation and the focus of the 12 tribes. Throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, Judah is revealed to be heavily involved in God's business. Tell somebody praise is involved in God's business. Tell somebody my praise is involved in God's business. Amen. According to God's pattern that he set up with the heavenly tabernacle that was shown to Moses in the mountain for 40 days, Judah was to camp on the right outside of the gate. Indicating that when the people came into the tabernacle, they were to enter his courts with praise. When the Shekinah glory would move and the people were to break camp and follow, Judah would go first. 
Judah would not worry about breaking down anything at the tabernacle. There was a great operation there with the three departments, three rooms, the door, the brazen altar, laver water, golden candlestick, table of showbread, altar of incense, the veil, and then the Ark of the Covenant, and then the five boards between every pillar, every solid gold pillar, all the way through. There's a hundred pillars around the tabernacle, and they had boards, and somebody else broke down the camp because when God would move either by day or night, when he would begin to move, Judah would break down their individual tents, and they would take off following the glory, praising God. Now the rest of the 11 tribes knew if we're going to have God and we're going to have Judah with us, we've got to get busy breaking his church down and get ready for another move. Look at somebody and say, get ready for another move. Amen. Because they knew that God was always where Judah was. And again, I want to paint the picture to you. Judah camps right outside the right side. I'm going with your right to the gate into the tabernacle but as soon as they saw the glory cloud moving away from that third room amen Judah would break down their tents and they would take off and begin marching after the cloud the rest of the tribe of Israel uh, Aaron and the, the tribe of Levites especially would begin to break down the tent the rest of the camp would break down their tents and everything they would break the walls down and they would prepare to move tell somebody preparing to move Judah always followed the glory. Tell somebody, my praise is always following the glory of God. Where his spirit leads, we must follow. And if we're going to follow, we must follow him, praising him. Nothing stirred or stirs, moved or moves, excites or excited God more than his people praising him. I've watched tonight. As all of you begin to worship and I begin to just almost chuckle to myself at how God must feel about all of you praising him. I begin to watch uh, one young lady, this good lady right back here in this black sweater with her little son there. I begin to watch her down here just praising God. She had her groove on, man. She was getting after it. Amen. Tell somebody that's the way you get in this church. You got to praise your way in. Come on, somebody. Begin to watch folks in the choir begin to really praise God. I mean, you can sing and you can play your instruments just out of habit. Amen. Tell somebody I can sing and not really praise. Tell somebody I can play but not really praise. Amen. When you really praise God, amen, there's something that begins to happen. Tell somebody there's something that begins to happen. Praise service here when it begins. It's happened every time I've been here. It doesn't matter if it's Tuesday night, Sunday morning, or Sunday night. As soon as the music starts, boom, 80 to 90% of the church is out of their seats and up front. And everybody's up here giving God praise. Everybody say, we're giving God praise. Amen. Zephaniah 3 and 17 declares that he, being God, will rejoice over thee. Amen. With joy. Everybody say, joy. God will rejoice over thee. The word rejoice here means he will spin around under excited emotion. I don't know if you've ever heard that verse, but amen. How many of you would like to know God was worshiping or shouting or dancing over your praise? Come on, tell somebody my praise moves God. 
Amen. God knows when his people are praising him, there must be a battle somewhere. There's got to be something going on, and they need me. And when we begin to praise God, it moves God. Tell somebody, my praise moves God. Amen. It moves him. Amen. For our benefit. Abijah, his name means Jehovah is my father. He was the king of Judah. Jeroboam, his name means the people will contend. He was a king of Israel. Jehovah is my father was Abijah. The people will contend is Jeroboam's name. Now, how would you like to have a leader that meant, amen, the people will contend? Amen. Look at somebody say, I don't need that. Amen. Second Chronicles then gives us intimate details into Jeroboam's rejection of God and his worship. How is it? I'm just going to preach a little bit here. Look at somebody say, preach, Reverend. How is it that people uh, in the Old Testament that were Israel, that was Israel, they were 12 tribes originally until 721 B.C. when Judah broke off. And became uh, one tribe against eleven. And shortly after that, the tribe of Levi broke off and went with uh, Judah. And so it was two tribes against ten. Jeroboam a, took the leadership of Israel. 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 They have a name that they're God's people. And, and throughout the Old Testament, God only dealt with the Jews. But now the Jews have got a division. The Jews have had a rebellion against God. They have got hungry for the things of the world. They've got hungry for the gold and the silver and all that. And it's went so far as it has perverted their worship. The Bible declares that they cast off the executing of the priest's office of the Lord. They quit going through the daily sacrifice through the tabernacle. They quit going through the brazen altar, which was 32 feet wide, which was two feet wider than the door into the tabernacle. Amen. Amen. So, so they went. They went on without repentance. They went on without daily prayer. They, they every day would bring a sacrifice and they would offer it up. And then the priest would go and wash with water that he would die not at the laver. Everybody say, wash with water that he died not. That's why we water baptize in the name of Jesus for the remission of our sins. Amen. We are. First of all, we repent at the brazen altar. This was the type and shadow that was being established. And so I'm going to hit this again. They, at the brazen altar, they offered a sacrifice daily, which reveals to us now in the New Testament time, in the church age, it reveals to us there must be repentance in our life. Everybody say, I need to repent. Then once you have repented, being your first time through it, you must be water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. Tell somebody that we die not. It is sin that separates us from God. Sin separates. It's not our color. It's not our, not our creed. It's not what nation we were born in. It's not if we're Russian or Czechoslovakian or Chinese or Taiwanese or... or, or Spanish or American or you're Indian American like me and, or it doesn't matter what nationality we are to God now under grace, under the dispensation of grace. But it does matter if we have sinned. The Bible declares every man, tell somebody say every man is born in sin 
and shapened in iniquity. Tell somebody the bad that I do. Sin makes me do it. Amen. Sin is the result and the reason for what we do wrong. Tell somebody sin is the reason. It's not my nationality. It's not my color. It's not economic status that I have. It's not what nation I'm in. It's not uh, if you were Mexican, if you were born in Mexico and then you came here to America, being Mexican and from Mexico ain't got nothing to do with you being a sinner. It has to do with as soon as you were born. We were born in sin. Tell somebody, we were born in sin. Shapened in iniquity. Iniquity is self-will. It means that as long as I'm going without being born again, amen, the chances are very real that I'm going to be doing what I want. It doesn't matter what anybody says. Then once you become born again, you've repented of your sins, been water baptized in Jesus' name for the remission. Somebody say, for the remission. Remission means the blotting out. The removing. So at repentance, when you say, God, I'm sorry, he forgives. But you still got sin in you because you were, tell somebody I was born that way. But when I'm water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission, tell somebody I'm baptized for the remission. Come on, tell somebody I'm baptized to remove my sin. When you are baptized in water in the name of Jesus, now why are you baptized? Bible calls it being buried with him in baptism. Why? Because at repentance, we are dying to our old man, to our old nature, to the way we were born. We were born separated from God. But when I repent, I'm saying I'm dying out to this man. And if I've died, then I'm going to be buried with Christ in baptism. Tell somebody I'm buried with Christ in baptism. If you've repented of your sins, thank God for that. If you've confessed your sins, thank God for that. But now you must be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Amen. And so when you are baptized in water in the name of Jesus, I remember, I think I may have told it here, I'm going to tell it again. When I got baptized that Sunday morning after getting the Holy Ghost Friday night at youth camp, I was standing up at the tank. Gilbert Davis was in there getting baptized. And I stood up there and I was standing at the step. And I looked down in there and he was going through his baptismal. And it just, I just kind of blocked it out. It just blew me away. I looked. First thing that blew me away was the rickety ladder at the three or four step ladder. I mean, it was just rickety. And hey amen. I thought, Lord, man, mercy, somebody's buying a new ladder. Someone's going to break their neck here. And I got to looking and, and the top of the tank down to the water, it was light blue. But from the water down to the bottom of the tank, it was rusty brown. And when I saw it, I just said, oh my God. Look what the sins have done to this tank. I, mean, I was 100, I was 16 years old, just had my, got my license, driving my little Volkswagen Beetle, my little light yellow, had my little, uh, I had my cool tires on there and had my pipe at the back. It was, you know, I mean, it didn't. It'd go quick for a Volkswagen anyway. I mean, I was, I was cruising, and I, I, but I was just, my God, look what the sins have done to this tank. Now, I had no idea. I'm, I'm telling you before, God, I did not have an idea that water on steel would make it rust. Tell somebody if you don't know that, water on steel will make it rust. Now, I learned that afterwards, but right then, I was honest before God. I was just stunned. Oh, my God. 
Look what the sins have done to this tank. It was chipped and was rusty. There was no blue anywhere under that tank. Man, I started crying and Gilbert got out and Brother Whalen asked me to get down there and I walked down in the tank. Yes, sir. Man, I got down in there and I thought, man, I am not closing my eyes when I get baptized. I am keeping them open. I want to see what happens when these sins leave. I had sparks flying in my mind. I could see sparks flying and I, I just didn't know what all to expect. I said, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open because I could swim back wall from here to the back wall and back. I mean, I, I swam when I was a kid, you know, so I repented of that, you know, at the pool and everything. So it was, I, But I could swim. I wasn't worried about him holding me down there too long because I knew I was going to need a little extra scrubbing. So, you know, I didn't. So, you know, he now, Greg, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for your mission. He said, I had my hand and my nose up and he put me down in the water and it felt like he went. Felt like he laid me down there about eight, nine, ten seconds. He just held me. But when I went down, I was down there. I was looking, man. I was looking for sparks. I was looking for something to fly. But, but I didn't see nothing. He pulled me up out of the water. I come up out of the water. My hands went up and God filled me again with the Holy Ghost. And it was an absolute beautiful, beautiful day. Why? Because I had repented. Amen. I told God I was sorry. I'm sorry for all my cussing. I'm sorry for my disobedience. I'm sorry for all the foolishness I've done. God, I, I went through it and named it. And so when I repented, God filled me with the Holy Ghost that night at camp. It was absolutely wonderful. Amen. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not getting enough saved folks happy about that. So y'all going to have to learn now. Tell somebody that looks saved next to you, you're going to have to learn. If you don't want him preaching all night, Tell somebody next to you, if you don't want him preaching all night, you're going to have to say something. Because if you get quiet, it just messes his whole sermon up. I go down left road, down in a ditch, and I go to digging you up, and everybody just say amen. <laughs> and uh, amen, I remember, amen, was standing over there worshiping just right to the left of the pulpit down with copper pole. You can still go to the campgrounds in Oklahoma and see it. Just a foot or two to the side of it. I'd prayed for a long time and couldn't get the Holy Ghost. I sat down. I was so frustrated. I was supposed to be playing a basketball game at Mustang High School there with the summer league team. But I didn't go. I had my suit and my uniform and my bag. And I didn't go. I said, I'll miss this game. It won't be no problem. I, I got to get the Holy Ghost. And, and I was up there and I just got frustrated because I couldn't. I just wasn't talking in tongues. I just didn't understand what was going on. I've been praying for the Holy Ghost for four or five years and couldn't get the Holy Ghost. Everybody at our church had a tough time. We pastor told us if we had six or eight people got the Holy Ghost in here, we'd had a great year. Y'all had probably 25 or 30 in the last month. Amen. And so, amen, I sat down on the altar, was frustrated, and there was all kind of people around me praying, Brother... Uh, Roberts from Norman, Oklahoma, the pastor there. He said, I said, Greg, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm all right. And then he said, don't you believe God can give you the Holy Ghost into my mind? I said, well, that's the most stupid, ignorant question I've ever heard. Now, that was in my mind. I didn't say it. I just thought, that's the stupidest, most ignorant question I've ever heard. What do you mean? What do you mean do I believe God can fill me the Holy Ghost? I got people spitting on me over here, spitting on me over here. People slapping me on the back. Somebody putting their hand on the back of my head. Somebody on the front of my head. Someone's hollering, turn loose. Somebody's hollering, hold on. Somebody says, repent. Somebody says, jump. I, I don't know what's going on. And I was a church kid. I mean, it frustrated me to death. I, 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 
cry. I didn't know if to get happy to cry. I didn't know what was going on. But I mean, I was going through it and sat down. So I had all the thoughts kind of run through my mind like. And I said, of course I believe he can defend me. He said, do you believe you stand back up? God will give you the Holy Ghost. I said, yes, sir. He said, stand up, Greg. Throw your hands up. I stood up, threw my hands up, and I started saying, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what I was saying. But I was hearing something completely different. I don't know what it, I can't fake talking in tongues. But anyway, amen, I realized in just a couple of minutes, I was talking in tongues. I was thinking, I love you, Jesus. I was thinking, praise the Lord. I was thinking, forgive me, Jesus. But God was already in me, and I began to speak in other tongues. Tell somebody, when you get the Holy Ghost, it's the resurrection of a dead man. Woo, come on, tell somebody, when I got the Holy Ghost, I was raised again from death to life. Turn around to somebody and ask them, have you been born again yet? Amen, amen. Tell somebody, have you been born again yet? I didn't get a lot of amen. I, and I'm, I'm just, this is just me. I've been doing this 38 years and I do this. I mean, I just preached a little dirt road for just, and it was really good, very apostolic. And I got some of y'all that are apostolic. I can tell by looking, but you didn't even clap your hands one time. Come on, look at somebody and say, he's preaching now. Come on, somebody around you needs to know whether you believe this or not. Come on, you must be born again of the water. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. You can be seated, thank you, or you cannot. Now, I'm, I'm still on this dirt road here. A lot of people in other religions denominate, well, you know, you're just making a big deal out of nothing. Well, Jesus said, if you have not been born again, you cannot. Tell somebody you cannot. Enter in to the kingdom of heaven if you have not been born again. But when you are born again, you are baptized, water spirit. Amen, water spirit. Baptism. Nicodemus was asking the Lord questions, telling me he's still on a dirt road. Uh, can y'all hear me out there? I'm just checking. <laughs> Tell somebody he's still on a dirt road. <laughs> Amen. When you are baptized, water and spirit baptism. Tell somebody water and spirit baptism. Because Nick, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, he said, the first birth, the second birth is like the first birth. Now these are my words. This is what he's saying. The second birth is just like the first birth. Once you've been born one time, you can't be born the first time again. You are what you are. You're born a sinner. But if you want to be born again, it's like unto the first birth. There was water. When your mama got ready to have that baby and her water broke, I'm telling you, she was headed for the hospital. Her water was broke. It may have been at night at sleep. It may have been while she was sitting on the couch. It could have been while she was at work. But when her water broke and it began to run out, amen, you knew you had to get to the doctor because the baby was coming. Amen. Everybody say the water broke. And then when you come out of that womb at doctor, however long it takes, sometimes it takes a day, sometimes two days. And I guess the more you have babies, the quicker they come. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All the women said, hallelujah. Quicker they come. So you got to hurry to the hot doctor. But when that baby comes out, if that baby's not immediately screaming or making a noise, 
indicating that they have breathed in. Somebody say breathed in. Amen. That doctor's going to hold that baby up and go whack, whack, whack right across the bottom end, just slap that tail a couple times, and that baby goes, he said, okay, he's alive. He's good. Go on next now. So whenever you're born in the natural, you come through the water, and you have to breathe in, and there has to be a noise to reveal that you have taken in the breath. So it is in the spirit. When you repent of your sins, you're then water baptized in Jesus' name, for the remission of them. And when you come up out of the water, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Heaven is by speaking with other tongues. Tell somebody, I'm going to make a lot of noise when I get the Holy Ghost. Ask somebody around you, have you been born again? Back on my notes. Somebody say he's back on his notes. So now... Jeroboam leads Israel into total chaos. Once you are born again, you still have to keep your will in subjection to the preached word of God. Because your flesh will always pull you to satisfy it. It will always pull you. It won't tell you to sin. It will just tell you, come on, you know that drink made you happy. You know that drug made you happy. Come on. All right, just try that joint. I know you're way out there on heroin and God delivered you, but just try that joint because he knows all of those drugs are connected. And if you start on one, you're only going to be on it a little while. All right, I'm on a dirt road again. Amen. This is between this pulpit. We'll make this edge of the pulpit when you're high. This is normal and this is depression. And so, you know, maybe you're down here and you're getting close to depression so you don't believe in Jesus. You don't go to church. You don't have nobody praying for you. You don't. You know, you know, you just you just out there by yourself, and so you you're, you're just someone to try this joint. So you light up this joint. Everybody, laugh, look at somebody and say the folks laughing did exactly what he just did. Hallelujah! And the rest of y'all that didn't even flinch, y'all are just programmed Pentecostals. You ain't got a clue. But anyway. I mean, and all of a sudden, it takes you up and you say, oh, man, oh, oh, man. Now, am I acting out your first high correctly? Thank you. I'm doing good. Some of y'all don't want to fake it and say you was ever there, but that's all right. Hallelujah. I mean, you was just like, oh, Lord. Woo. You, was, you was way, way up from down here where you was. Man, you was, oh. Man, you start coming down, you sober up. You don't go all the way back down where you were. You just go a little worse. And then you need another hit of joint. <laughs> Trying to get there, that one joint ain't gonna do it. So maybe now you have to go to two or three, or and you every time you come down, you go down further than the first time. Tell somebody when you go down, you go down further than the first time you started your drugs. 
So now to get the same high, the marijuana's not working. So now you got to go to something else. I don't know what kind of drug it'd be. Uh, I don't know what it'd be. Just some kind of speed pill. And you take a speed pill. Run you back up. Whoa, Lord. You just freaked out. Then you start coming down. Now you're in depression. Now you're, oh, Lord. I need another hit of speed to get me high again. Drops you back down. Man, my speed ain't working. I need something else. Until finally you end up on cocaine. And then the cocaine don't work and you need a bottle of, you need a little piece of crack. And that don't work. Now you're, you're dropping way down and your high is only getting you up just above the bottom of normal. You're out there on crack. Now maybe you're on methamphetamines. And they say all it takes is one hit of methamphetamines and you are hooked. Teeth start rotting out. 29, 30 years old, your teeth are all falling out. You'll rob your mama. You'll rob your daddy. You'll rob your brother. You'll rob your husband. You'll rob your wife. You'll rob your kids. You'll rob from anybody because you're so high now. And the real reason is because you're bored, you're bottoming out. You, you are so much in depression. In spite of being a cocaine addict, you're in depression. In spite of being a meth addict, you're in depression. In spite of, in spite of crack, you're in depression. This is what happened to Israel in the Old Testament. They, get, they got so bad that they began to cast off, executing the priests, officers of the Lord. They ordained priests for the high places. Now they're worshiping. They are now allowing the groves, which is the places where Israel was supposed to worship. When they would own property or uh, overtake a country, they would make bare the top of the mountain. And all that would be up there would be one altar to the unknown God or to, to Jesus, to God. Amen. There'd be 12 stones built and they would offer a sacrifice there, but they had to shave the hill. They had to cut all the grass down, cut the trees down, the stumps down, and there would be nothing on that hill except an altar to God. Well, now that they were in their free religion, they begin to let the grass grow and the bushes grow up and the stumps begin to kick out little sprigs and little trees begin to grow again. Why? Why? Because they would carve into those tree trunks images of what they were worshiping. And I won't describe all of it, but there was immorality and uh, all kinds of what we would call pornography was carved into these trees. And they made them now religious virtues. And they they put down that the practice of what that worship was, was, was literally okay to do that. And just ungodly stuff. And now this wasn't, this wasn't the tree people of, of, of the of Gentile nations in the Old Testament. This was the Jews. Tell somebody this was the Jews. This was God's people. This was, this was his people. They knew here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But now they had backslid. Now they had got caught up in the little land that they had. And they began to worship like everybody else, to get along with everybody else. They began to worship like everybody else. Now they begin to ordain anybody to be priests in the high places. And then they would even, Isaiah 13, 21 says, for the devils, which was uh, hairy ones or the satires. Satires will dance there, Isaiah 13, 21. Watch a satire. It's a shaggy he-goat, a demon-possessed goat, half human, half animal in Greek mythology. There's two or three places in Scripture that talks about them worshiping the satires. 
God's people begin to spin out and begin to praise and worship and give adulation to shaggy he-goats or satires. And they even begin to make golden calves that they would begin to worship. And you remember that story. Israel's worship and praise repulsed God, but it attracted demons. They then moved on into the worship of Baal, the god of the storm who could throw down bolts of fire to the earth, the god of war, the god of sexual lewdness. They even began to ordain people of the lowest to become prostitutes. They had rejected Levites and Aaron and his sons, and so they began to ordain anybody. Tell tell somebody they ordained anybody to become a prostitute. Wrong worship will result in the rejection of God's anointed leadership in ministry. Tell somebody wrong worship will cause us to to reject God's leadership. They then went further and began to worship Molech. They erected idols of brass having the face of an ox and the body of a human that had outstretched arms. They would heat the, the idol up. Until it was smoldering red hot and then placed the babies, their babies into the arms of Molech as they would worship. The priest, which was just say it was anybody. The priest would beat the drums and play the music as loud as they could to drown out the cries of the mothers and of the dying, burning babies. And then they went even further down. They began to worship a goddess named Chimerimim, meaning to intertwine, to be deeply affected with passion and self-maceration, to grow thin or waste away or become soft. So what are you saying, Brother Godwin? Point number 72 tonight. Everybody says it's only 75 points tonight. <laughs> Almost done. Amen. But babe, what I'm saying to you is you need to make sure that you are only worshiping God. Come on, church. You got to make sure you check your spiritual covering. Make sure there's nothing between you and God. There's nothing between you and your pastor. Come on, husband. You need to make sure, amen, that you've got your worship under God. Come on, somebody. They were given to false, fake, and the frivolous. Judah understood they had no calling, no destiny, no hope of becoming great on their own. Their only hope was to praise God and he would see them into everything he had promised them. Can I tell you that hell knows without God we can do nothing. Tell somebody hell knows that. Hell knows we have no power without God. We have no authority without God. We have no jurisdiction without God. We have no deliverance, no miraculous, no provision. Tell somebody without God I don't have anything. So what does hell do? Hell, your enemy seeks to stifle and stymie and shut down your praise. The very thing that helped you get in the church, your praise. Amen. The Lord's Prayer begins with praise and ends with praise. Somebody give an altar call and everybody come down and repent. Well, first they need to praise the Lord. Again, now I'm just throwing out stuff here. It just comes to me. That's the reason why the church has got to learn how to praise God. Thank God y'all are doing a good job of it. Touch somebody and say, but I've got to be a praiser. Come on, saints. Tell somebody, I've got to be a praiser. When do I praise God? When you come in the doors of the church, you enter with a praise. 
Now, you can be seated. I'm shocked that I feel that here. I didn't think I'd feel that spirit here, but I feel it. He went, well, Brother God, I'm waiting on the Spirit of the Lord to make me do all that. I don't feel him really making me want to jump and shout and really get crazy but pray. I'm just, I'm just going to give God Is that somebody saying amen will keep him off of us? It'll keep me off of you. Amen. I'm going to go here. I don't know where that spirit is. The Lord didn't show me what I felt, so I don't know if it was in the pew or up on the platform. Here it is, choir. Now, you done sang, got your praise on. I seen all your hand signals and stuff. But now I see some of you, you kind of. Look at somebody say, I know you're tired, but you still got to praise God. Can I say you this, church, don't ever let the first half of this service, y'all's praise and worship, become mechanical and just something you do. Do it with an understanding. We're coming into this tabernacle praising God. And when we get in here, we're trying to get to the Holy of Holies. They say amen. Tell somebody four minutes. (laughs) Remember the devil once being a praise leader, we talked about the last two Tuesday nights. In heaven was Lucifer, the anointed cherub. Everybody say Lucifer, the anointed cherub. There was three cherubs, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer was the only angel that was anointed. He was the only angel with a throne. He was the only angel that was perfect. He was the only angel with a covering of precious stones, diamond, carbuncles, gold, and and onyx, and all of that. He was covered with wine because he was in the burning presence of God, leading the worship of a host of angels that you could not count. The Bible said there were thousands times thousands times 10,000 times 10,000. Thousand times a thousand is a million times 10,000. 10,000 the Bible means a myriad of or uncalculable number. So there was a million angels times an incalculable number times another incalculable number of angels. Tell somebody there's all kind of angels. Lucifer was the head angel. He was covered with precious jewels, not for his glory, not for his beautification. He was there because when he was in the presence of God, which was always, the glory of God, which is light, would shine through him and it would cause a rainbow of colors to go around. Look at the, can you tell somebody, look at the atmosphere worship does. I mean, heaven is a beautiful place. I mean, that's what's going on. Angels are praising God. It's beautiful. Every color you can think of, it's, that's what God's there. I mean, God is, loves to be praised. But Lucifer got a crazy thought. He got jealous. I mean, he is number two in a host of angels that you couldn't count. That can't be counted. But something in him began to raise up, and the Bible said iniquity, self-will. Self-will caused Lucifer to raise up against God. He said, I'll be like the Most High. Five I wills, he said, I'll sit on the mount of the congregation. That's what I'm going to do. And before he could get them all thought, the Bible says God, in Revelation 12, God says, and Lucifer was cast out of heaven like lightning, 186,000 miles per second. That's the speed of a bolt of lightning strike. 
186,000 miles per second, lightning strike. That's how fast Lucifer went from being the anointed cherub to being the devil, Satan, that old dragon. That the Bible declares in the end time, which won't be very long now, but then they finally get ready to judge Lucifer for his final judgment. There's going to be one angel. Everybody say, one angel is going to take Lucifer by the hand and is going to cast him into the lake of fire forever. And when that happens, the Bible says, the rulers of the world will look at him and they will say to God, is that the man that deceived us? Can I tell somebody, you need to keep listening to the word of God. You need to stay submitted to the man of God. You need to stay submitted to one another. Don't let Satan in your life. So now the battle is set in array. Israel, stand with me in Jeroboam. Two minutes. And the contending people. They have surrounded praise. The contending people have surrounded praise, outnumbering them two to one. Israel has 800,000 men. Judah has 400,000 fighting men. But the Bible said when Judah looked back, now most of my text was, was uh, Abijah rehearsing to Jeroboam what God had said. Now Jeroboam, you know better than this. You know God's fixing to break one on you, Bubba. He's going to break you down. He's going to put something on you. Ajax won't wipe off Jeroboam. You keep this up now. You know. I mean, he's God fixing to get you. You better, you better not do this. You better back off. But as they were talking, Israel surrounds Judah. 800,000 men to 400,000. And the Bible said when Judah as a nation looked back, and they looked forward, and they saw they were surrounded, Abijah said one thing. He gave him the signal to go to the seventh dimension of praise, which is ruah, which is to shout. This is not a word that says, praise the Lord, your mercy endure forever. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not, it's not Adon, which is a first word. It's not second, third, fourth, fifth word, which is progressive words of praise that take you up in a praise service. But they went from nothing straight to a shout. It's like when Israel was marching around the walls of Jericho. They went around six days, one time around the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho were wide enough they could race chariot, horse chariot races around the top of that walls in Jericho. But six days, that two million men walked, uh, people walked around that city and didn't say a word. On the seventh day, everybody say the seventh day, they went around that city seven times. And when they came around the city, they haven't said anything for seven days and now six trips around this, all, this uh, city, they haven't said a word to one another. All that the enemy has heard was for six days, that's all they heard. Seven days, this is all they hear. And they just keep going. And Oh my God, they're not going home today. Oh no, that's three times. They're going around three times. They got that going around five times. They're going around six times. They're going around the seventh time. And when the Bible says when they went around the seventh time, they went from no noise straight to the seventh word of praise, which was ruah, which meant to shout. 
unto God with a voice of triumph. It was... Ruah meant to split the ears with sound, to blow an alarm, to destroy with a joyful sound or noise, to be triumphant. It was a shout of a war cry. So they went from complete silence for six and a half days to the seventh word of praise with an immediate shout. And the Bible says, as the men of Judah shouted, God smote Israel. God struck. And when it was done, there were 500,000 men that were killed in just one afternoon. Tell somebody because they shouted. They smoke means to push, to gore, to inflict. Today, God wants your praise. I, I preach slow for a reason. Because there is a dimension of praise that this church is reaching to get to. And that, that will inflict pain upon your enemies. Your enemies are spirits of hell. Spirits that have been dog. I could go out there to some of you and talk to you. But I'm not going to do that because you know I'm talking to you. Look at somebody say, I know he's talking to me. Amen. I'm talking about spirits that got you down. They got you discouraged. They got Now you're doing good in here. But you know when you leave, it's going to be a bad week. Because you're down. You're discouraged it means to push back. But with one shout, can you see yourself in the walls of Jericho or here and you've got this 800,000 men surrounding your 400,000 and all they do is go, yeah, as loud as they can scream. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 men just start dropping everywhere. All they did was shout it. And their enemy was defeated. Now, the leader of it. We could take time to talk about the leader of it. But the last verse that I read to you said, Jeroboam died because the Lord struck him. Now here's what I'm saying to you. Amen. Stand with me. Come down to the altar if you want to. The Lord in your praise, beginning tonight and these next couple of weeks, if you can stay focused... I want you to focus your praise on being a weapon of God. Because this church is topping out now. And there's cracks in the ceiling above you. And you're just about to break through into a whole new dimension of growth, spiritual power, and dominion. Everybody say dominion. I felt it today as I went back to the room. I felt it today. This church is moving into a new level of dominion. There's going to be people come that you've never witnessed to. But if you just keep witnessing, God's going to keep bringing people. Some you don't even know. The Bible says the Lord struck Jeroboam, the leader of the mess. Everybody say the leader of the mess. God will even strike that. Genesis 49 and 8. Bible says, and thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. This is prophetic words to Judah. He says, thy hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. It literally means down the throat of your enemies. Let me demonstrate. Come up here, Bubba. You're going to be my enemy. 
All right. I got you. I got you. I'm going to just shout. I'm going to give God a shout, and I just want you to fall down dead. Amen. Yeah! That's it. Now you got a mental image. Stay down. You dead. You can't get up. Now this was this was this were prophetic words over Judah as a man. He said, "Your hand, Judah, is going to be in the neck of your enemy." When you look up the original, it literally means down the throat of your enemies. It's going to choke them out, not from the outside, but from the inside. I want you to get it. Your praise, everybody say, my praise will choke out my enemy. Do you see it? Your praise. When you was down here praising God today, that's exactly what I thought of. You was getting down there and getting with it. Your praise was choking out old spirits. Your praise was choking out old enemies. Your praise was choking things out. Tell somebody, my praise is going to choke out my enemies. Tell somebody it's going to choke out my enemies. So I want you to come to this altar with your hands raised. We're going to sing one of these songs again. And I want you to give your praise everything you've got. Come on, your praise has killed your enemy. He's down and can't get up. Come on, somebody. Look what your praise did. It knocked him out. Now your praise can choke out your enemy. Come on. Let's give God some praise. on people's lives being broke off of them. They're not even going to know what's happening, but they're going to feel different. Some of them are going to show up to church in the next couple of weeks, and they're going to say, I was just living my regular life, and I felt something late on a Sunday night. I just felt like i got to find a church. You're going to know what's happened. I want you to begin to shout as this group begins to sing again. One, two, three. He is defeated. He is defeated. He is defeated. The devil is defeated. With the voice of fire. He is defeated. He is defeated. 
shout. Give God a shout. Come on, young people, give God a shout. Shout unto Him with a voice of triumph.